Mike check, one, two, one, two. Mike check, one, two, one, two. I'm back. Back for another episode. A taste to consider podcast. Let's go. Mike check. Mike check, one, two, one, two. I'm back. A taste to consider podcast. Back for another episode, back for the coming of a new week, the ending of another week. Taste to consider podcast. Let's start the show. It's good to be back. It's the Taste to Consider Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver, and I'm back. Back for another episode, season three. I believe this is episode six of season three. It is Saturday, March 13th, the last day of the post-shadow phase of the Mercury Retrograde. And what a Mercury retrograde it has been for me. Oh, man. What a week. What a week. A lot of good. A big bad. But let's get into the show. Tonight, I am drinking Uncle Nearest 1856 Premium Whiskey. 1856 Uncle Nearest. Usually, I drink the... um, I've had the 1884 uh, Uncle Nearest whiskey a couple of times on the show. That is the, um, if I could say, um, the bottom, the bottom uh, one out of the the um, different. I don't want to. I guess I'll say flavors. I don't know, <laughs> um, but yeah. Tonight I got the 1856. It's the, I guess the, the higher, the upgrade. I don't know how to describe it, but it, it definitely cost more than the 1884. But it's all good, cause them stimmies, them stimmies is coming in. <laughs> but nah, um, yeah, this uh 1856. Um, I mean it tastes similar to the 1884. Um, it's a hundred proof. Uh, the, the, um, 1884 was 93 proof. Um, what else? I can definitely taste a similar, uh, it's definitely a similar taste to it. The 1856, um, versus the 1884. Um, the 1856 is a little smoother, I would say. Um, it's definitely smoother, uh, if you add a splash of water to it or if you just let the ice melt a little bit. And as I've said on the podcast before, that is, that is a thing with whiskey, um, to add water to the whiskey, a splash of water to the whiskey. Um, and it definitely enhances the flavor of it. And with this one, um, I didn't add a splash of water to it, but I let the ice melted 
a li- uh, just a little bit before I started drinking it, and it's real, real, real smooth. After that, um, it it tastes definitely better. Not from the standpoint of it being like um, before the ice melting, it was it was nasty, but it was like the ice melting having that little bit little bit of water in there enhanced the flavor of it. It is like adding salt to something. So it, it tastes even better with that, you know, that splash of water to it. It's real smooth. Yeah, it's real smooth. I like it. I mean, whether it's the 1884 to 1856, uh, it's both good. And once again, uh, Uncle Nurse is a black-owned whiskey. Um, it is owned by a black woman. So... Uh, check them out. Check the whiskey out. Check them out on. Um, I follow them on Instagram. So, uh, the times that I have had Uncle Nearest on the show, I tagged them. So, you can go through the pictures and and find them if if you can't find them through searching. But real good whiskey, and I'm finally smoking the cigar that I've mentioned on the the <laughs> the two previous episodes, the Camacho Connecticut. I'm finally smoking it, and It's a good cigar. Goes good with the whiskey. Got a nice pull to it. Um, it's not it's not overly strong. Um, pairing it with this whiskey, uh, it makes the flavor of it even better. It's smoother because I started smoking it before I started drinking the uh, the whiskey. So it, it it pairs well with this whiskey. Um, like I said, it's got a good pull to it. Excuse me. Um, what else can I say about it? It's a real good cigar. I like it. Um, yeah, I'll definitely be trying this one again. And if you have any recommendations for cigars for me to try uh, while I record, as well as whiskeys, bourbons, cognacs, all that, let me know. Um, I get them all the time, so... Um, yeah. Back for another episode. Let's say to consider podcast. Like I said, we're this is officially the last day of the post shadow phase of the Mercury retrograde. Um as well as tonight going into Sunday. While we're in Sunday, the time will be going forward. Um that spring weather is 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 heading our way. Um, I'm in the the DMV, specifically Merlin. Excuse me, that's burp number one. If you don't know, if you're a first time listening to the show, you will get burps during this show. That is part of the show. You know, drinking the whiskey and smoking the cigars will cause the burps. They will not be belligerent or vulgar burps, you know, but you will hear them. <laughs> but, um, yeah. Uh, while I was pre-gaming, I was playing some money bag, yo. Uh, <laughs> and money bag Joe finally sent them stimmies. <laughs> I've been talking about that uh, a few episodes, previous episodes about them, them stimmies not being here yet. So he finally, you know, signed the $1.9 trillion uh, relief bill that included the $1,400 stimmies in them. The STEMI that was 
actually signed physically by Donald Trump. Yes. If you go look that up, for the people who will be getting those stimmies in the mail, it is signed by Donald Trump. <laughs> kind of interesting, huh? But I'll leave it at that, you know. I'm not going to go into no conspiracies, you know, but do your own research. It's very interesting that these stimmies are signed by Donald Trump while President Biden is in the office. But, um, yeah. You know, it's so many quote-unquote woke people out here on social media telling people how they should spend their STEMIs. Why, you know, saying, why are you so excited for some STEMIs? Man, it's money that y'all know I have a tendency to be uh, labeled woke or blackety-black. But when it comes down to it, this is money that people didn't have in their pockets. It can help, it can help them in any type of way. Um whether you're going to use it to pay a bill or you're going to use it to buy something you want, do whatever you want with that money. Um, don't let nobody out here try to guilt trip you how you're supposed to be spending this money, you know. But when it comes down to it, you know, this this money isn't a savior. This money is not supposed to save nobody who really need it. You know, we really, it's people out here that really need help financially due to everything that's been going on with the pandemic and stuff. Um, but they sending us this cash for those who will be receiving it to stimulate the economy. They don't want they don't want you paying bills with it. They want you spending money. And what's funny about it, I was in Walmart last week buying some uh materials so I can uh do my backyard. Um I'm gonna put a do a little gravel um pea gravel patio back there and while i was in there buying materials i mean it was like tvs everywhere like they were stacked up different type of tvs all over walmart so they know them stimmies they knew them stimmies was about to come so they was getting prepared so like i said spend that joint on whatever you want i mean don't let nobody guilt you into doing you know people out here saying nah spend that money on llc's do this and stuff man do whatever you want to do with it you know if you want to do it to improve your life improve yourself kudos if you want to use it to get something that you wanted or needed do that man you know don't let nobody guilt trip you into making you feel bad there's a lot of people out here that'll be on social media all the time that would try to make it seem like they're trying to prove you know, something to somebody, but really they're trying to prove things to themselves. So don't let people project their their stuff on you. Use use that money the way that you want to use it. Um, <laughs> let me see. I think I got a clip. I think I got a clip. Y'all know I be having them clips. Uh, let me pull it up. Here we go. Help is on the way, and today, help has arrived. Help has arrived for the workers who lost their jobs. Help has arrived for the students who have been stuck at home. Help has arrived for the families that have struggled to put food on their table, and for the small businesses that have struggled to keep their doors open. Help has arrived, America. The President promised 
help is yes money bag joe promised that help will be here and it's here <laughs> like i said them stemmies are here um yeah like i said you know they trying to make it seem like that they're helping helping people by you know people that have been out of work and stuff but it's so much you can do with fourteen hundred dollars granted i mean you can i'm sure somebody can use it to pay a bill i can use it to pay a bill but I'm not going to be fooled by thinking that, you know, this is some relief for us. It's money that isn't, you know, money that we don't have or we didn't have. But, you know, it's not enough. We should be getting more. Um, you know, which is funny. Like I already said, those checks were signed by Donald Trump. And it's $1,400. He already gave us six before he left office. So that's the two 2000 you know, that... He promised to give us. So Trump gave us uh, two stimulus checks. This one is considered the third. But technically, you know, because it's signed by Donald Trump, Biden owes us <laughs> another stimulus check with his signature on it. I mean... <laughs> This shit is funny. I mean, I just find all this stuff funny, the games that they be playing with us. And it's unfortunate that a lot of people be falling for uh, a lot of this stuff. Um, people put their votes behind uh, Moneybag Joe to get those Biden, bu them Biden bucks, you know, Kamala coins. <laughs> people who are retarded putting that stuff on social media, talking about some money bag Joe and <laughs> Kamala coins, Biden bucks. <laughs> Man. Oh, I love people. Um, Yeah, so last week was the All-Star Weekend, NBA All-Star Game. It was in Atlanta. And man, the stuff that I'm sure all of us saw on social media how people was wilding. People was going down there with no places to stay, sleeping in their cars, sleeping in U-Hauls, vans, having parties in U-Hauls. I saw video of a stripper party in a U-Haul truck. <laughs> Man, I seen people with their cars on bricks, people, you know, jacking their rims and all that other stuff. <laughs> Man, it's like, and of course, I'm sure we've all saw the girl with the, uh, the GoFundMe, she only had $400. She used that to get down to Atlanta, and she ain't had no money to get back home to New York. Man, <laughs> what is we doing out here? Uh, I, don't like, I don't like judging, but damn, what is you thinking? She had the whole story talking about some. She's been unemployed. She was waiting for an unemployment check and stuff like that. <sighs> what is you doing? I'm just trying to figure out, is it that serious, the party? I don't know. I love I love my people. I love being black and all that. But sometimes <laughs> we can do some of the, the most interesting things. <laughs> I'm not going to say dumb. I'm going to say interesting because it's not necessarily dumb because you don't know the reasoning 
in their mind why they actually decide to do the things well we decide to do the things that we do because i'm included because i'm sure i've done plenty of interesting things in other people's eyes and in my eyes too once i go back in <laughs> and uh look at things which i have <laughs> i have done some very interesting things and it was based off of the stuff that was going on in my mind <laughs> or lack thereof but uh yeah I just hope everybody had a good time and everybody was safe um yeah but Timberland and Swiss Beats they um they sold verses to uh Triller and the verses was a big thing, you know, uh, while we were deep in the pandemic, uh, started out with uh, producers and songwriters, quote unquote, battling or going up against each other. Then it turned into uh, recording artists, singers, rappers and stuff doing the same as well. You know, great thing. You know, I didn't watch all of them. It was certain ones that um, I particularly enjoyed and that I wanted to watch. Babyface. um, the baby face jump with uh damn i know i'm tripping right now his name is escaping me <laughs> uh but the baby face jump um i definitely enjoyed the dmx snoop dog jump that was probably one of my favorites um the baby face and teddy riley jump yeah I'm tripping yeah i definitely enjoyed the baby face teddy riley jump definitely enjoyed the dmx and snoop dogg jump uh, i'm trying to think of which other one i enjoy i enjoyed the uh jill scott and erica badu jump of course um i'm into the neo soul um i watched a couple of other ones but some of the artists didn't necessarily move me to the point where i wanted to watch it but i you know it was a great idea you know it got a lot of people through the uh pandemic it was a way for us to get uh, quote-unquote concerts, you know, since everything was shut down and stuff. But, of course, you know, every time a deal is made, particularly when it comes to black people, you know, it's always going to be criticism. And, you know, it was criticism with, with this deal with Swiss Beats and um, Timberland making this deal and basically how people, some people saw it, particularly um, – the quote-unquote woke people, the quote-unquote blackity-black people, um, me included, um, saw it as, you know, them selling out. And this is similar to the what I talked about on the last episode with Jay-Z and how, you know, he he sold, he had the two deals that he had with his uh, alcohol brand and with um, Tidal. But... I'm a, it's pretty much the same. I feel pretty much the same way with this situation that I feel with uh, Jay-Z. It's their business. They can do whatever they want to. It was a good deal. It was a good business deal. Um, I can't expect, you know, every black person to make, to be in a quote-unquote woke space or blackity-black space to, you know, do things the way that, I would necessarily want them to do it or some you know somebody else in that that mind frame will want. Um I think it's uh, I think it was a good deal, you know, business deal of course. Um but 
I didn't really put too much thought into it because it didn't honestly I didn't care. But um for devil advocate devil's advocate's sake and me having a podcast sake, um um, like I said, it was a great deal and also I look at it kinda like um similar to some of the people in that in that headspace, you know, why are they selling it to you know, selling off their business to a, a white business and stuff like that. And it kind of made me, the more and more I thought about it and was getting ready for the podcast, I was looking at, like, this is kind of like how slavery was to a degree. And I'm not trying to get all deep into that. I'm trying to, you know, make it that deep. But just, you know, me thinking about it and looking at it like uh, they worked real hard to build this brand, to build this this stuff up, and then, you know, to sell it off. Just like, you know, in slavery, you know, the the our enslaved ancestors worked the land, built it up, you know, made it profitable just for the white man to come in and, you know, make it ten times more profitable for themselves. Um, I know that Swiss Beats and Timberland got equity out of the deal. Um, so they're technically considered part owners um, of Triller. And as well, they, you know, uh, they gave, uh, they got an equity stake in it as well as they gave um, equity to the people who participated in. They gave, you know, a share of their equity stake to the artists that participated in Versus, which is a good thing, you know. Like I said, you know, I understand, you know, my mind frame would be to hold on to it and, you know, keep it as a a, a whole, you know, a whole black business. But I understand that, you know, we live in a capitalistic society. People want to make money. You know, people want to uh, compete on business deals and stuff like that. And. So I, I totally understand, you know, I'm not criticizing them for what they did. I, I think it's a great deal, you know, kudos to them for making the deal, for, you know, coming up with an idea and getting rewarded for it financially. Um, but I also, you know, got to play devil's advocate and look at it like, you know, why, why didn't they just keep the business to themselves and, you know, don't let somebody else come in and make even more money off of it but you know like I said they got an equity stake in it so that is a good thing because a lot of times you'll have black people selling off their ideas and their uh creative content and all that other stuff and don't get no type of ownership out of it so it's a great thing that they got you know some type of equity stake out of it and as well as they wasn't they wasn't selfish and they shared it with the artists that participated, that made the um, verses so big. So this is not me full on just, you know, negatively criticizing it. You know, I'm just looking at it from both point of views and I salute them because, it, you know, when it comes down to it, it was a great <laughs> business deal, you know, for their, um, their efforts and their, their, um, I mean, damn, for them to just come up and just be like, okay, we're going to create this <laughs> this platform on um, 
Instagram Live to have producers and artists to go up together, and then they making this type of deal. That's I mean, that's a big thing. <laughs> but you know, certain certain people in the quote unquote woke and blackity black community that look at it uh, much much more harsher and negatively than than I do. But um moving on. So last episode I talked about, you know, me looking for a new therapist and actually um having a an appointment with a new therapist. Um, and that happened this week. It happened uh, Wednesday, Wednesday that just passed, and it went good. Um, of course, it was the first session, so um, we didn't g- really go into depth on anything with me. Um, a lot of stuff was administrative stuff, and then we did um, we did some some talking about um just me as a whole me you know letting them know who I am and some of the questions that he's he asked me I definitely knew um he was trying to figure out where my mindset was um in terms of how I feel about myself and stuff like that and it's always interesting just you know, meeting with <laughs> meeting with new therapists because this is probably I haven't been to a lot of therapists like uh, the the longest time that I've spent with a therapist was um, two years, a little over two years, and that was with the uh, the black woman that I was uh, meeting with, I was working with, and. Then I moved on to uh, a black male, and I had like five sessions with him. And this new guy, he's a black male. Um, and it's crazy how they always picked up on the same things from the first <laughs> initial session. And what that is, is that I am extremely hard on myself. I'm extremely uh, tough on myself. Um, I don't give myself enough credit for the things that I have done in my life, I have accomplished in my life, the things that I've, uh, the struggles that I've gotten through and stuff. And <laughs> he definitely picked up on that just by certain things that I said. And he didn't even have to come out and say it. It was just by uh, how he implied, uh, implied, uh, implied it after I responded to some of his questions. <laughs> so granted, I know that's like the the biggest hurdle for me that has been for me. Um my self worth, um my confidence, you know, that that was that's like the biggest the biggest stuck points 
that I'm at, you know, in those areas, self-worth, self-confidence, low self-esteem, stuff like that. And one thing that he pointed out to me, which is what I already knew, um, but he sees it as that, this is what he said to me, not in, not verbatim, but he basically said that, you know, um, I'm very successful and accomplished despite the things that I've gone through, but I just don't see it for myself. I don't give myself enough credit. And that's that's exactly what the last black male therapist I had said when I initially met with him. It's something that he focused on in a lot of our, uh, in the sessions that we did have. And then even with uh the black woman therapist that I met with, that was something that we started to focus on uh, in the later parts of our sessions that we had. But particularly with her, I focused a lot on getting in touch with my feminine side, getting in touch with my feelings and emotions, um, just learning how to process it and stuff like that, figuring out, actually acknowledging and accepting the feelings and emotions that I'm having. And processing them correctly which is you know still uh, a work in progress for me um, and also another thing with the new therapist that he pointed out as well as the other therapist that I beat myself up a lot I truly like I beat myself up a lot you know which is part of the lack of self-worth self-confidence and the low self-esteem and stuff so But like I said, the new therapist, he basically pointed out that, you know, I'm in, I'm like, a, I have stuck points in my life that I'm trying to uh, get over. And, you know, they start with my mind. I mean, as everything with everybody, it starts with your mind. So, you know, and that's why I told him. I told him, you know, like, I, you know, I feel as though the things that I need to work on right now is my mindset, the thoughts that I have when it comes to my self-worth, low self-esteem, lack of confidence and stuff like that. And I got a good feeling from him. Um, I definitely appreciate his communication skills. Like one thing that I talk to people all the time about when it comes to therapy and stuff like that and some of the things that you know, uh, it's similar to my experiences is them feeling as though the therapist <laughs> isn't paying attention to them. They're doing other things while they're talking, particularly since, you know, people have been meeting, uh, you know, over the phone, doing uh, telehealth and stuff like that, you know, on the video, video chats and stuff. So... One thing that, that struck me is he started off by saying, you know, uh, as I'm, as we're talking and communicating, I'm asking you questions. I'm going to be looking down at times, but that's, that's me writing, you know, writing, taking notes and stuff from what you're saying. It's not me checking my phone or falling asleep or not paying attention. And that really, you know, made me feel good because I didn't ask him to say that, you know, he volunteered that information and 
that that made me feel uh, more comfortable about the situation. And also just his uh, attention to detail um, made me feel better as well. I felt as though that, you know, he was actually going to be um, in tune to the things that I'm going to be saying. Um, so I'm going to be meeting with him uh, in the next two weeks, starting out with uh, every two weeks. And I'm looking forward to it. Um just to see his perspective on on things and see how he can help me. He definitely seems as though that um, he's definitely going to challenge me, and that's something that I'm looking for. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Where do we go from here? I'm looking at my outline right now. <sighs> okay. One of the things that um, kind of threw me off and struck me, excuse me, after the last episode was like the the previous episodes I was talking about how lately I've been seeing a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of uh mental mental health stigma. A lot of people coming out and uh perpetuating that stigma and kind of like bullying other people and stuff like that. Um, conversations that I had with other people, um, things that people have brought to me and stuff like that. And this is something that I've talked about plenty of times before. And um, when it comes to the, the black woman and the black man dynamic, uh, it was it's just like it, 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 it keeps continuing. Um, one tweet in particular that I saw... Um, was it was a woman I'm not sure if she's black or not um it was hard to tell from her uh her profile picture but she said men go to therapy as broken humans and come out as professional gaslighters now let me read that again she said men go to therapy as broken humans and come out as professional gaslighters yeah, and the last episode, y'all know I talked about, um, if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it, um, Manscaping the Emotional Wall, and this is falls right into last episode and how um, men don't have safe, safe spaces to, you know, when it comes to their emotions, feelings, going to therapy and such. And this is not going to be an attack on her or black women in general, but this is just an example of what, you know, I was talking about. Particularly on social media, like on Twitter, I see this all the time. Um, just 
how black men get bashed all the time. Um, but <sighs> let me see. Although I do agree with her to an extent, I have seen people go in and out of therapy and, and use it to their advantage, women and men. Shoot, I've seen it with with people use it with religion when they when they, you know, claim that they found God and stuff and they use it to their advantage. Whether it's to manipulate the person they're in a relationship with or manipulate any man or woman, you know, that they or anybody that they trying to get something out of or, you know, trying to have some type of power or something over. So I'm not going to sit here and act like she's not she's not lying, you know, because I've seen people do this. But it just it just rubs me the wrong way when um, I see things like this. So that's the only reason I'm I'm, I'm bringing it up and pointing it out. It's not to go into no deep commentary about it or whatever, because, I mean, if you're on social media, you know it's out there. Whether it's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, it's out there. Y'all seen it. Shoot, some of y'all that's listening right now has probably done it. Bash a bash black man or black <laughs> bash the black woman. I mean, shoot, you know this is things that is being done on social media. But I just wanted to bring it up as an example to reference it back reference it back to the last episode but um it's not helping you know to destigmatize mental illness you know whether it be for a black man or a black woman but i will say if you ever run across a man or a woman who who thinks that way get away from them <laughs> Get away from them because they ain't going to see it as as you doing anything <laughs> right, you know. Um, it's a lot of people out here uh, that just won't trust nothing because they have trust issues from, you know, trauma that they've gone through. So, you know, if you're about really evolving and growing, I mean, you're going to have to let some people go, you know. Based off of where they're at or where they're continuing to want to be or want you to be. So just keep that in mind. Moving along, the big hoopla around the uh, Megan and Harry interview with Oprah. Uh, I just recently watched the interview this morning to, for the show. Other than that, I didn't care. <laughs> um, honestly, I didn't care. But I listened to the interview. I watched the interview. And I took a few notes on it for the podcast purposes. And, of course, so because I didn't want to forget anything um, or leave anything out. But I definitely thought it was an interesting interview. Um, not surprised by some of the things that, that went on in the interview. But let me pull my notes up. What I thought was interesting 
about the interview was the fact that um, Oprah, she was paid, I think they said between seven and nine million um, to get to get um, for the rights of the interview. And while she was talking to Megan, it was it was eerily similar to the same interview Diana had a few years ago when she was talking about the same pretty much the same thing you know the things that she was going through um with the royal family um one thing that Megan said that I thought was hard for me to believe was that she never researched the family or her husband while, you know, they were dating in the relationship and stuff. I just find that hard to believe. Um, she said she went into it uh, naive. Excuse me. What was that, burp number three or four? I don't know. I did... I could believe that to a degree that she went into a naive for the simple fact that, you know, she's never really um, identified or associated herself as a black woman. So I feel as though she's had the privilege of passing. And this is not to, you know, um, criticize her for that or anything. But I do feel as though she had the privilege and benefit of passing for most of her life, passing as a white person. Because when I was looking at her, I was like, yeah, you, it's, it's very difficult for you to, to tell that she's, she's uh, biracial, you know. Um, she looks like a, a white girl. To me, she does. <laughs> and so I see how she it's possible that she could have went into the situation as being naive because she's used to, you know, passing. She was used to passing in her life. But I still find it hard to believe that she actually did any type of research on the royal family or anything. You know, you coming into that situation, you know you about to get married, you know, why wouldn't you do some type of research? I find that hard to believe. But, um... And even, like, her comments about, you know, talking about her not doing any research on the royal family or her husband or anything, she came out and said that even Americans don't know about the royal family. I was like, that that is some BS because one thing, I know a lot of black people who know about the royal family just based off of how they are responsible for a lot of the um, colonizing <laughs> and enslavement of uh, black people, you know. She said most Americans only knew about, you know, only looked at the royals as fairy tales. And I agree with that to an extent because... You know, of course, they're royal. We've grown up and grown up on Disney movies with the 
prints and all that other stuff, you know. And she said she didn't romanticize about it, which is hard for me to believe as well, because one thing that, you know, as a as a child watching Disney movies and and I know particularly with with women, women are programmed to think about the day that they get married and stuff like that and the fairy tales of being swept off their feet and stuff and or or having that, you know, marrying that prince or that prince like person, feeling as feeling like a princess throughout their life, you know. So I find it hard to believe that she wasn't romanticized by it because there's plenty of women when she was going when she was dating uh Harry and about to get married to him, particularly black women that was romanticizing about this situation. <laughs> even, I mean, it's it's happening even to this day when the interview came out and the memes that will pop up on social media and how uh you will see black women posting the memes of talking about Harry left his whole family, his royalty for his wife and all this other stuff. I mean Let's just be honest. You're romanticized by it. You were programmed by it. I mean, it is what it is. But one of the things, just in talking about, you know, her passing for uh, a white a white woman, how I see it, you know, as I explained is that, and I talked about this plenty of times before and how, you know, um, over here in the U.S. and the government and how they claim as though just having one drop of black blood makes you black. You know, we follow, us as black people, we follow that same construct as well, you know, we're caught up into the constructs that we've been programmed to think. And when it comes down to it, she can identify whatever the whatever way she, she wants to, whether that is white, black, biracial, whatever. I particularly, the more and more that I, I've grown and more things that I've read and learned, um, biracial people should just consider themselves biracial. They don't need to be following that construct that's been put in place of that drop of black blood makes you black. You know, you can identify as biracial, you can identify as black or white, whatever. But don't, I'd rather you, as well as everybody else, stop getting caught up into this construct of what they telling us, what race we are and stuff like that. Because we've been so programmed by it for so long that we so far away from the from the truth that <laughs> it's hard for any of us to believe anything other than what we've been taught. And it was it's kind of similar to, you know, when I had episodes where I talked about Kamala. You know, Kamala, she had the privilege and the benefit of passing as uh, a black woman, you know, but she identified previously as um, an Indian, as well as the media has identified her as an Indian or a, um, 
damn, losing my, this is just, <laughs> my memory is just all crazy right now. But yeah, it just, you know, it. she identifies being a black woman when it kind of benefited her or other other systems identified her as, as such, you know, whether it be the Democrat Party or whatever, identified her as that, you know, to benefit them. So, like I said, it was just very interesting doing the interview. Um, to me, it didn't seem, it didn't, the interview didn't seem too authentic. It seemed forced. Um, a lot of the conversation uh, when Oprah was asking her certain things, it seemed forced. Uh, her her responses seemed forced. It kind of, I was kind of sitting there at times thinking to myself, why are you guys even having an interview and you're tiptoeing around, you know, uh, answering certain questions? I understand it may be a sensitive topic, but then don't do the interview if you're not, you know, it's kind of like if you're supposed to be doing this interview to to fight back or counteract the things that's, that has been put on you, then, you know, be be straight up with everything. I mean, the kind of like tiptoeing and the, the forceness behind it kind of threw me off. Like a, a lot of portions of the interview, I just wasn't even paying attention to when it came to the like the, the gossipy stuff and stuff you know, that type of stuff, the gossip stuff, and I just wasn't really paying attention to it. I was more so, one of the main reasons why I watched interviews when um, it was brought up about her mental health and how she felt as though that doing portions of the the tabloids, the, the, the British tabloids and the British media were harassing her and stuff, she felt as though you know, she wanted to end her life. And then the fact that people were actually questioning her on that, and that's something that, you know, um, I didn't particular, particularly like um, because you you should never, you should never question anybody's um, feelings when it comes to suicide and stuff because that, that crap is real, you know. I mean, not to say crap, but you know it's real. So that's one of the main reasons why uh, I watched the episode. I mean, I watched the interview. But it was like um, a lot of a lot of things just didn't feel felt off about the interview even when they started talking about um the royal family and she was talking about when she was going through her mental health um struggles and how she said that she had to go to the hr <laughs> she said she went to the hr to tell them about this this stuff so she can get help and i'm like hr i thought this was a family but she kept saying the institution the institution the institution so I'm like, you know, I already understand the fact that, you know, 
there's a system in place and stuff like that. But the fact that they really like the fact that she she brought it up and the fact that she was saying how uh people who are part of the royal family are paid employees. Literally they're paid employees of the family. And she was talking about going to HR and, and stuff like that. And I was just like, damn. This ain't really no family. They this shit a business. They run this shit like a business. This is a, a straight up institution, which makes sense for all the the crap that they done in the past. And it's like, you know, are we really surprised that there's racism in the in the royal family? There's racism when it comes to their institution. The things that they did, that they've done in the past when it comes to uh enslaving people and stuff like that. I mean, they're rich because of slavery. I mean, let's be real. And it was kind of like as sad as it to say, but as I mean it's real. Megan was having her <laughs> she was having her her wake up call for being black. By being um, part of this this quote unquote family, this institution, the royal the royal family institution, and check out my man uh, Scott's podcast, Unprocessed Knowledge. He just released an episode, particularly on this subject. Um, check that out. It's called Royals, but. It's just crazy, like, when I was sitting there watching the interview and she was talking about the racism that she's gone through and stuff like that. And this is why I, I, I was sitting to myself thinking, like, you telling me you really didn't know all this stuff. You really didn't know this. You didn't know that your husband once went to a party where they all dressed up in racist outfits, whether it be blackface, Ku Klux Klan, and he actually wore a Nazi outfit. The Bama wore a whole Nazi outfit that was everywhere. Everywhere. He was at a party partying with his friends that had was wearing blackface, Ku Klux Klan outfits, and he had on a whole Nazi outfit. And you telling me you didn't know this. That's hard for me to believe because when that came out, it was everywhere. Everywhere. So... It's kind of like, I feel as though she knew what the family was about, but she was so used to passing that she thought it was going to be easier for her. And then it was almost like, it was weird when I was sitting there thinking about it. I'm like, okay, the, the racism, racism is really strong. It is really strong because bringing her bringing accepting Megan into their family their quote unquote family could have could have been a win win for them you know adding a person a you know a person of color and stuff like that and how everybody on this side of the of the ocean loved it or whatever but the racism so strong that over there they just like they wasn't feeling it the the media 
the citizens, even the the family <laughs> wasn't feeling it. I'm kind of like it was a benefit for y'all, you know, to to make y'all look good. But it's like the racism and the jealousy so strong that it was almost like even though Diana wasn't a black woman or a person of color, um, they don't they don't want nobody bigger or above them, their institution. Like, she was talking about, they were talking about how, you know, their roles in the family. And this goes back to me saying, you know, is this, this is not a real family right here. This is This shit is really an institution. They refer to their place in that institution or in that quote-unquote family as roles. They're actually playing a role. And then once Harry started talking and he was talking about how he had so much respect for his, his grandmother and stuff, but then he would say he had a problem with the institution. And I'm like, you can't, it's like too much of a contradiction right there. How do you have respect for your grandmother, but your grandmother is the head of that institution that's racist and stuff like that? And he was saying the same thing about, you know, his dad. And it's just similar to what goes on here when it comes to the government and the media and over there when it comes to the media and the royal family. It, it, it's pretty obvious that the royal family uses the tabloids and the media as their mouthpieces. And same thing over here. The government uses the media as their mouthpiece to, to push certain narratives, to get things out, to program people and all that other stuff. And I'm sitting there asking myself, dang, so um, all the all the, the black women, and this is not me being general about all black women. This is just all the specific black women that were out here being romanticized about Megan and bigging her up and loving the fact that she's getting married to a prince and stuff. How do y'all feel now about this fairy tale? All fairy tales <laughs> don't end in happy <laughs> don't end in happy endings but yeah I definitely found the interview to be interesting but nothing about it necessarily surprised me um, it was just more it just seemed like another episode of reality TV or something Make sure I touched on everything in my notes. See, I don't like writing notes because it seemed too robotic, but then I be feeling like I need to write the damn notes because I be forgetting shit. And then I be going back and be like, damn, I meant to say that. I meant to say this. But, and what's up with the, the Oprah love, all this Oprah love that she was getting? I thought, you know what I'm saying? I thought, I thought people wasn't liking Oprah. All the stuff, you know, the Michael Jackson stuff she did and all that other stuff. People back on that Oprah train, I swear, when it comes to 
worshiping celebrities and stuff. We got to quit that. But the uh, royal family, even after this interview happened, like, they came out. You saw a lot of the people in the royal family, uh, Prince Charles and... And other people that was part of the royal family, you saw them out and about, and <laughs> being they had black people in their entourage and stuff like that. So you know that was calculated. They made sure that they they wanted to fight fight back, you know, on <laughs> fight back on that interview with having you know some some black people around them when they was out getting their photo ops and stuff. <laughs> but of course, you know, social media had their views and commentary on it and and of course, like like I just said, it's just always this back and forth. I saw a tweet and it said, some of the worst, most ignorant and disrespectful takes on Megan sharing her story are coming from straight black men. It's sad, really. Why do we got to take it there? I just don't understand. Why do we got to keep doing all this infighting? That's why I would tell you, like, that Willie Lynch syndrome is strong and it is alive and well, man. Our minds, like, <laughs> our minds are just totally just scrambled and programmed for us to be fighting each other forever. And then you got arguments on social media about which racism is worse. Is UK racism worse than US racism and black people fighting over that? And I'm just like, bruh. We just be fighting over everything, man. It's just like we'll fight each other and love our oppressor. Um, it's it is frustrating. I swear. But um, Queen Elizabeth she released a statement following the interview, and she said the whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging these last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved family members, and Archie is their son. And if you've been keeping up with this, they talked about on the interview about, you know, how the royal family uh, was concerned about what the baby's um, skin color was going to be, and that baby turned turned out to be lighter than everybody. <laughs> I mean, I think think he's a redhead. So you know, like I always look at red redheads um, as the albinos of of white people, and I don't know why I look <laughs> look at it like that because. You you seen albinos and most of the al most I most all the all albinos look black and they just have a, a pigment issue you know a pigment disease. But I always looked at it like white white redheads that they are the albinos of <laughs> white people because they're 
you know, they're extremely lighter than them, and it's 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 similar to how albinos are with <laughs> with black people. They have they're much lighter. They have the the um, was it red? Do they have red hair? Things like red hair or like a reddish blondish or something like that. So I always look at it like that. But um, yeah. But I still think it's it's weird that she talking like she didn't know that the royal family was racist and all this other stuff. But um, <laughs> where we at? All right, I'm about to end the episode. I got two clips to play that we're going to get into. And all this stuff ties into everything. Like this whole this whole episode, like I've talked about plenty of times how, the, how my episodes just come together without me really having to do anything. So this episode just works all together when it comes to the black man and the black woman and fighting and all this other stuff and sexism colorism racism it's just like an on and on and on and on and on thing like i swear like i will always say that the shit that we going through internally is because of the willie lynch syndrome and if you don't know what i'm talking about and you ain't listen to the show go back and listen to still lynching as well as read the willie lynch uh book as on you can read that book in like 20 minutes is not it's only a few pages but i'm gonna play this clip and i'm gonna give my views on it and what's this dude name let me figure out this dude name before i play the clip because i want i want everybody to know who this guy is um this dude, he has a, a big following on Instagram. His, I follow him. His name is uh, Charity Croft. His handle on Instagram is Old Chap Charity. And I'm sure once you hear his voice, if you don't know him by name, you'll know who I'm talking about. And I follow him. He makes some good educational videos. But just like everybody, I don't agree with everything that everybody say, but, you know, I still follow him. That don't make me not follow him because I don't agree with everything he say. But this one in particular, I thought was very interesting, this clip. So let me cue it up and play it and get into it. My name is Charity Croft. You know what's super annoying? When we as black people try to talk to white people about their privilege. We'd be like, hey friend, I know that you're not a racist murdering slave owner, but you still do benefit from a historical system of white supremacy that has put your people at the top and my people at the bottom. And then they respond like, no, bro, my nigga, I'm the furthest thing from privilege. Racism is basically over. I'm struggling just like you. And in all honesty, if you guys would just like focus on building up your families and stop, you know, selling drugs, you'd be better off. Of course, this is a response completely rooted in privilege, and only someone that is totally unaffected by racism can say something as crazy as racism is basically over. 
Well, check this out. That's the same type of stuff that we as black men always say to black women every time they try to check us on our male privilege and sexist ways. We just act like they the ones stripping and we tell them they're really not being oppressed by men and it's all in their heads. We can only say something as crazy as that because we are not the ones being affected by that type of oppression. And that's why straight black men are the white people of black people. And I know what all the bros thinking. Nah, bro, you tripping. Don't you know we out here getting shot by the police like dogs? Michael Brown, Freddie Gray, Eric Garner, Trayvon Martin. Women ain't got to deal with that, bro. They ain't got to deal with that like we do. Yeah, bro, that is messed up. But have you ever heard of Alberta Sproul, Miriam Carey, and Michelle Cousseau? Yeah, me neither before I started making this video, but those are the names of unarmed black women who were also killed by the police but got no media attention. In fact, black women are actually murdered by the police at higher rates than black men are, but their stories are left untold because it's not as interesting to talk about women who die. This means that even in death, black men are acknowledged more than black women. We black men are not nervous walking past a group of black women, while on the other hand, they are petrified walking past a group of us because one in five black women will be brutally raped at some point in their lives. Black women are expected to be independent, but not too independent that they're not a little submissive to their king. Black women are expected to be smart and pretty, but not too pretty because then we'll think they're not that smart and that they only get to where they are because they're pretty. And you know what happens when a black woman gets angry? We say, see, that's why you ain't got no man as if their value as a human is predicated upon whether or not a man likes them. Meanwhile, we men never have to worry about that. A black woman could be a multi-millionaire. If she doesn't have a man, we treat her like something is wrong. Like women are still socialized in 2018 to believe that the two most important days of their life are prom and their wedding day. The two days when a man chooses them. When I, as a straight black man, walk into a room full of black women or queer black men, I am immediately seen as some sort of an authority figure. When I go to the cookout, I am immediately given the big piece of chicken. And as Damon Young, a very smart brother, says, I am given the biggest piece of chicken and the biggest seat at the table despite making the smallest contribution to the meal. And then guess what? My grandmama gonna tell whatever woman I arrived with that she better go make my play while I sit and play dominoes with my cousin because I'm a man. We treat women like objects. We put them next to fancy cars in our music videos because we see them like cars. Something to ride and then dispose of when we're done. Something we can just put in park and sit in the garage and expect it to be there when we're done doing whatever. Something, it, an object. Women feel the need to lie about their sexual partner so they're not perceived as hoes while we men pride ourselves on how many women we have sex with. And let's be honest, we don't even really have sex with them because that would imply some type of a connection. We usually just use women as human masturbation devices, sex toys. And then gay black men, they are ridiculed on a daily basis by straight black men. And ironically, it's not even usually because of the fact that they like to have sex with men. That's the interesting part. We as a society don't tend to hate gay men because they are gay. We hate gay men because they act like women. For some reason in this world, the closer you are to the feminine end of the spectrum, the less value we tend to give you. That's why even straight men that are a little more in tune with their feminine side tend to hear, quit acting like a girl, man up, don't be a sissy. Straight black men get to be angry, nasty, sexual, rude, aggressive, or whatever they want to be, and they're just being a man. But if a black woman displays any of those exact same traits, she is a bitch, a hoe, catty, messy, whatever. Black men can essentially be anything they want to be within the black community, except emotional because that means they're feminine, and then that means they're gay, and then that means they're acting like a woman, and then that means they're less of a man. A man. 
the God-given position that deems you as an authority to which your woman must bow. Being a black man gives you the freedom to just exist and have no judge in society except maybe white people. While being a black woman means that your life rests not only in the judgmental gaze of white people, but also all men. Being a black woman puts you in this weird intersection between being both black and being a woman. Dealing with white supremacy and patriarchy, two forms of oppression at the same time. If we as black men don't acknowledge our position of privilege in comparison to black women, then we are no different than the white people that don't acknowledge their position of privilege in relation to us. I love you. <sighs> yeah, um, I was about to stop the video because I've, I've listened to the video several times and the more and more I listen to it, the more and more it annoys me. Um, so I'm sure if if y'all seen his videos before, Y'all knew who who I'm talking about if you didn't know the name based off his voice. And I understand some of the things that he was saying, but he was just totally off. And some of his videos tend to be like this because he has to do what he's trying to say is in such a short span. He doesn't really give a lot of meat and potatoes to everything. It's, it's always seems to be generalized. And there's no context to things. And this is one of the videos that is really no context to it. He doesn't really give no meat and potatoes. He's just spewing out things that has to do with a, a topic. Um, when it comes down to it, black men and black women go through stuff. We, we are both uh, under the system of white supremacy. We're both oppressed. Um. Yes, I have. I do agree with him about the uh, patriarchy part, as well as the white um, supremacy part that women have to deal with. But, and I've talked about it plenty of times before on on this podcast about misogyny and stuff like that, and how we, uh, as black men, follow that, as well as black women. Like we can go on and on back and forth about this. That's why I don't understand why he made this video. And I'm going to play a response video that a follow-up video that he made because of all the backlash that he got from it. But I'm I'm going I'm to play that after I, I talk a little bit about this. I took a couple of notes because as I said, I didn't want to forget anything. But even after playing the video again and, and and listening to it, more stuff has come up and my mind is just it, the the gears in my mind is rolling. So, um, as I said, this where he's off at, there's no way that black men can be the white people of black people. Because this has nothing to do with racism. This has to do, if you want to be technical, this has to do with sexism. This has to do with patriarchy. This has to do with misogyny. This has to do with gender roles within our community, black man and black woman. When it comes to white people oppressing or having any type of um, power over us, that is racism. That is pure racism. Racism is 
played out through this system of white supremacy. And as I say, he's he's throwing out so many broad variables that don't have nothing to do with a black man a, a black man having quote unquote privilege. Do I believe that black men have privilege? Yes, I do. As well as I believe black women have privilege. Everybody has privilege, some sort of privilege. Our privilege can come from patriarchy, us being males. Women's privilege can come from being a woman, having femininity, having the, the, what's the right way to say this? Having femininity. Women have the privilege of being femi feminine, having femininity, the power of, of being feminine. As I stated on, I think it was two podcasts ago, how much power women have when it comes to their femininity. All of us hold some type of privilege when it comes down to it. And that privilege is all based on the system that has been put in place that we are under. A black man and a black woman has no power because we have no systems in place. We are under a system. We are playing the roles in the system that was placed upon us. One thing that I've I've noticed about a lot of the videos that he's he does is he's very condescending in his videos. He makes it seem as though his intelligence is above others. That's how he speaks in his videos, which throws me off at times. He, he, he almost teaches with an arrogance, as if he's above people. You know, his intelligence is above people. I don't like the fact that he lump, he's lumping all black men together. In the context of the dynamic between black man and a black woman, we both put each other in certain categories where we place blame on, where we constructively criticize each other, the things that we love. We all put each other in these categories when it comes to black men and black women. Black women and black men, excuse me. As I said, we all have some sort of privilege based off of the system that is placed upon us. Some knowingly use their privilege and some don't. Well, I'm going to say some unconsciously and consciously use it and some don't. As I've stated on this episode and previous episodes before, 
I've seen numerous tons of black women lessening their view their views on black men on social media. Let's not lie, we've seen it. And it's not to and it's not me saying that that's all black women doing it, but we've seen a lot of it. As well as black men doing the same thing. You know, we put it in memes, we put it in jokes, we put it in videos and all of that. Over the years, there seems to be a, not even years, decades, like I've talked about it before, how um, even like going back to times where the government purposely made it so that women couldn't get government benefits unless they didn't have a man in the house and stuff like that. We've had these these certain things put in place for us to to um <laughs> push this infighting between us going all the way back to like I said during the times that our ancestors were enslaved with the Willie Lynch syndrome with starting with the buck breaking with the black woman the scene the 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 black man being broken by the slave masters and them having their male sons and wanting to shelter them from that and all that other stuff. This stuff this is this stuff has been a domino effect from us being enslaved. You will always see stuff being sold to women, particularly just by me being a black man, I'll see more things being sold to black women on having some sort of disdain or uh, dislike or even at times hatred towards black men. But you never see, you don't see a lot, I'm not going to say never, you don't see a lot of the reverse. You don't see a lot of... um things where there's uplifting of a black man. You will always see people selling things to black women to uplift themselves, whether it's coming from another black woman and in cases like this, from a black man. Both black men and black women should be held accountable for um, the things that we do. Definitely should. To me, I definitely feel as though there is a, a narrative being pushed against black men as well as black masculinity. And that ties into the whole thing when I was talking about Megan and Harry. You know, you'll have all this 
all these black women being romanticized about uh, a quote-unquote black girl marrying a prince and stuff like that. And then you had these memes coming out talking about some Harry did this for her, he left his family and all this other stuff, but you can't get a black man to block a, another woman and stuff like this. It's like this constant beatdown of black men. It's always a narrative out there to put down black men. And once again, I'm not saying this is all black women. So please don't take it there because that is not what I'm saying. You know what I'm talking about. You know there are certain narratives out here and there are certain women out here, black women out here, that perpetuate this narrative. Excuse me. And, you know, push this narrative. I mean, let's be real. And like I said, it's on both sides. You have black men doing it too. But it just seems odd to compare black men to white men in America. Knowing, you know, all the things that we do know. It's like we for, we conveniently forget things based off of our our um hate, our dislike, our disdain, and the things that we've grown we've grown up hearing from mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles, grandmothers, grandfathers. One of the main problems I had with the video is, like, he's saying all the stuff that he's saying, but he's not popping out no solutions. So how are you helping anything? It's kind of like, it's not even kind of like it is. He's pushing... He's continually pushing the narrative of almost a, almost a fear that black women and black men have had of dealing with each other. We'll sit here and, and go about fearing what we're going to have to deal with based on what we heard from our our elders, or what we heard from our friends and stuff like that. And as he said in, in part of his video, a lot of a lot of black men will come out and, and you know argue with him to a degree about you know. You know, we the, excuse me, excuse me, us black men, you know, we the ones getting shot down in the street, we the ones getting harassed and stuff like that. So what privilege do you think we got? And this is what I'm talking about, like, right here. And he's right, you know, black women has, have to deal with it as well. We know this. So why are we doing this 
back and forth fighting when we know we're both going through the same things. We have to deal with the same stuff. Some have to deal with it more than others. You know, black man may have to deal with some things that the black woman have may not have to deal with and vice versa. And he mentioned the part where black black women has have to deal with the fact that they're black as well as being a woman. And I know some people going to hate me for saying this, but I feel as though that is the black woman fault. And I've talked about this before. I've talked about how some black women will put their energy behind being a feminist, but that feminist movement not embracing them. Those white women not em- those white feminists not embracing them in times that the black women need them, the times that their sons getting killed, the times that they're being abused, the times that their their lover is being beat up or arrested by cops and stuff like that. I feel like a lot of times black women are putting themselves in the position to be let down by considering themselves a feminist and aligning themselves with those white feminists that aren't aligning themselves with them. Black men, we don't have the luxury of trying to align aligning ourselves with a white man <laughs> because they're not going to allow it. Just based off of being a man, period, in the competition aspect of it. So, like I said, there's some things that we don't understand about what we go through. But we don't have open spaces or safe spaces to talk about these things. And he makes he makes videos. Uh, this dude, he makes videos a lot about, you know, uplifting black women, which is not wrong. I'm all for women empowerment, particularly black women empowerment. I'm for black people empowerment, you know. Um, I do feel as though that we should separately empower each other in order to come together and start empowering the collective. I do feel that way. And I feel like situations like this, when guys come out and and make videos like this, I look at this, I call this stuff right here the Steve Harvey effect. Because when Steve Harvey came out with that book, Think Like a Man, he was saying shit that black women already knew, black men already knew. This is stuff that I've I've heard plenty of people say to each other before. You know, so, but it was like when Steve Harvey came out with this book, it was like, Lord have mercy. We found, you know, we found a... The Holy Grail. We found the founder youth. You know, this is new information that we never had. And it's like, I get, I get, I don't know if I get frustrated or if I get angry, but it bothers me when I see certain black men playing off of black women's emotions in order for them to get followers or to make money or to, or because they selling something or they want to, they want to, they're trying to um, validate themselves by getting women's attention or trying to feed their ego or something. I feel like that is, is that, is, is, that is very real. 
and I'll go into his follow-up video that that he made. So recently I did a video called Are Straight Black Men the White People of Black People? And it was well received and appreciated by everybody except, you guessed it, straight black men. So, this is a message to all woke black men about oppression and loving black women. One, if you think Definitely that me pointing out the privilege that we as straight black men have is somehow creating a divide between black women and black men, then you are saying the exact same thing that white people say when you bring up racism, and you are literally proving my point and are an oppressor. Two, if you think that me making a video about loving black women by pointing out our privilege thereby means that I must be gay, you are proving my point and are an oppressor. Three, even if I was gay, if you think that something is wrong with that, then you are proving my point and are an oppressor. Four, if you think that I'm simping for pussy and that the only reason that a black man would ever make a video advocating for black women is because he wants to fuck them, then you are proving my point and you are an oppressor. Finally, five, and here's the kicker. I am an oppressor too. Every single day I do things unconsciously that continue to perpetuate the subjugation and violence against black women. But it is only through acknowledging that fact, acknowledging that privilege, that I can actually begin to try to change it. I love you. One more thing. Yeah, so that was his follow-up video. And once I once I saw once once I watched his follow up video, and I listened to it, I felt even more comfortable about my stance on, on uh, on him with this subject. He's definitely very condescending, as you can see by the way that he responded and how, um, his tone of voice, um, when he said. Black men, straight black men was the only ones I had a problem with. It. He's very condescending. And I look at him as sort of a, a narcissist. I definitely do. I look at him like he's very narcissistic. And he's playing off of black women's emotions. I feel like the video is, is very divisive, as well as his follow-up video. Because as I stated, he didn't come with any solutions. He just sat there and he put this out with no solutions or accountability of how he has oppressed black women. He just laid it out there to be placed at, at the feet of all black men, but giving himself immunity because, as he claimed, he's acknowledging it. He's consciously acknowledging it. But at the same time, he's saying but he still unconsciously does oppress, the word he's using, oppress black women. And let me pull up, pull up the definition of oppressor. The definition of oppressor, a, pers a person or group that oppresses people. Similar words. Persecutor, tyrant, excuse me, I'm sorry, bully, slave driver, hard iron hand, a scourge, dictator, tormentor, torturer, intimidator. The definition of oppression, prolonged, cruel, or unjust treatment or control.
Similar words, persecution, abuse, maltreatment, ill-treatment, tyranny, repression, suppression, subjection, subjugation, enslavement, exploitation, cruelty, ruthlessness. Secondary definitions of oppression. The state of being subject to unjust treatment or control. Mental pressure or distress. The definition of oppressed. Subject to harsh and authoritarian treatment. So technically, sure, black men oppress black women. But based off of them definitions, don't we all oppress each other? Don't we all abuse each other to some degree? Don't we all control each other to some degree? So why is he all focused on oppression? See, what was interesting about him using the word oppression so many times in the follow-up video is because of all the backlash he got in the first video. So he had to find a way to prove his first video by saying black men are the white people of black people. That's things that narcissists do. They find a way to make the other person feel as though they're crazy. <laughs> he was basically gaslighting in that, that follow-up video. He was trying to make every black, straight black man or any black black woman that didn't agree with him feel as though that they're they're wrong that they're crazy and that's that's what he does a lot in his videos he shows that arrogance and he speaks with a condescending tone to make himself seem that he's a his intelligence is above other people so technically yeah black men oppress black women but technically Black women oppress black men, right? Based off of those definitions. And this is the problem with these, as I say, these Steve Harvey type niggas. I still follow him because a lot of, you know, he does do, he does do some good videos. But I will not stand for situations when people push narratives to keep a continual divide between black men and black women. And particularly when you're dismissing black men's emotions and feelings on the subject. And as I say, Everybody has a reason for doing the things that they do, saying the things that they say. The only person who knows is, is the person who's doing it and saying it if they're self-aware. But I just can't get down with this narrative that he was pushing in, in both those videos. We oppress each other based on the privileges we are both afforded under this system of white supremacy.
a black man can't be a true oppressor without a system in place to back him up. Black men and black women, we've gone through a lot individually and together. A lot of the things that a lot of our mindsets are stored in our our DNA. They come from the depths of enslavement that we've gone through. The programming that we've gone through from the from that time of enslavement and have just been built upon to keep us in this mindset. And there will be people who look like us that will push these narratives because they're so ingrained in, in, into that programming or they're getting something out of it. As they say, all skin folk ain't kin folk. And in this particular situation, he's not looking out for the best interests of black men or black women. He's keeping a divide between us. If you make a video like this, you have to put out some solutions. As I said, he placed all the blame at black men's feet and gave himself immunity by saying that he unconsciously does it. I mean, he basically told himself in the video of trying to defend himself. It's hard for me to have respect for a person who does something like that. And I'm not saying that, you know, we all out here doing the right things. I've benefited from privileges of being a male. I benefit from nothing from being a black male. Yeah, from a male to a degree, but not from a black male. To me, this is like the classic case of Willie Lynch syndrome. This is hate. This is hate talk to me. Granted, I understand the fact that, sure, black black men do some effed up shit to black women. I'm not denying that or saying that. But when is it going to be time for us to find solutions and to start acting on it as opposed to keep pointing the finger at each other? This is a continuous tug of war between the black man and the black woman. I've said it plenty of times before on this podcast. Excuse me. Black men are here to protect black women. I don't feel as though black woman is greater than a black man or a black man is greater than a black woman. We both hold a responsibility. That's that's the balance of life. That's the yin and yang of, of life. That feminine aspect and that masculine aspect is important on both sides, individually and collectively. 
It's like it will continuously be a me versus me situation when it comes to a black man and a black woman. We are the mirrors to each other. And we're fighting ourselves through each other. It's that me versus me mentality. The things that we hate about ourselves, we take it out and we project it on each other. As long as we will have that, that lack of self-worth, that lack of self-love, we will keep projecting on each other. We will keep being bad mirrors to each other. Until we focus on loving ourselves being our best friends, we're never going to be able to be that to each other. It's as simple as that. And I hope whatever he gained from making those videos, he gained it and he feels good about himself. But I just can't I can't get down with it. I can't I can't rock with that. No. It it is very frustrating to have this continuous tug of war between black men and black women. We go through it in our in our individual and just our individual relationships of dating uh each other. But then to have it as a collective whole and being thrown in our face every day, particularly on social media, with with videos like that, or with tweets when when like the tweet I read earlier about the woman saying, um, yeah, I want the man, I want the black man to go to therapy, but then he gonna come out and be a gaslighter. And vice versa. I want I want, you know, my woman to have more confidence and be empowered, but damn, I don't I don't want her coming out and and holding me up to a different standard than what I'm used to. It's a me versus me attitude. And we pushing that on each other. I'm gonna end this episode with a clip. I can go on and on with this. Um, I'm gonna end this with a clip and then I'm gonna end this with a song. And this clip is um, it's a clip of DMX on the uh, Drink Champs podcast. I thought it was a good clip. So I'm going to play it. Be themselves, but trust in the fact that you can see them well. I mean, so it's like, you know. Let me start that again because it. Came up too damn fast. Sorry. All right. Always trust everyone to be themselves, but trust in the fact that you can see them well. I mean, so it's like, you know, trust, trust, trust. It takes too much energy to not trust someone. I mean, it takes too much energy. You only know, gotta say two steps ahead of them or whatever. Right. But trust them to be them. All right. To be themselves. Trust the snake to right. bite you. Right. Trust a lie to lie. Trust the deep still from you. Like, trust them to be them. Too. But know them when you see them. Always trust everyone to be. Yeah, I thought it was a good clip because it's like 
between black men and black women, we we have so much mistrust. We don't trust each other, and that's why we will continue to have these uh this tug of war. We don't trust each other because we don't trust ourselves, and that's just the lack of all all the things that that has been taken away from us: our worth, our dignity, the love for ourselves, our culture, everything has been taken away from us, and we're we're like we're fighting each other to get to a place. It's sad, but <laughs> let me end the podcast. Um, I need to go get some food because I'm hungry as hell, and I think everything that I wanted to eat has closed by now. It's 10 o'clock, past 10 o'clock. But um, I'm about to play this. <laughs> I'm about to play this song. Um, and the song I'm about to play um, is a... Otis is by Otis Redding, but it was remade by Aretha Franklin. And a lot of people don't know this, surprisingly, that the song Respect that was made real popular by Aretha Franklin was originally Otis Redding's song. So I found a a mix of the song on, on YouTube. So I just thought it was fitting um, for this episode and these topics that Black man, black woman, we we fight so hard to get respect from each other. So I thought this was just brilliant. You know, this song, everybody loves the Aretha version, and a lot of people don't even know about the Otis Reddit, Reddit <laughs> Otis Redding version. So I'm in this podcast. Uh, you'll find me on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, uh, Stitcher. Like, share, download. And shout out to everybody who ha- who has been sharing the podcast lately. This season three has has been getting a lot of attention. Has been getting a lot of um, a lot of praise, and I appreciate all of you for sharing the podcast. Um, I've told y'all that individually. I appreciate you so much. Please continue doing it. If you haven't shared the podcast yet, share it so it can help somebody. Also, check out my blog, greatestiamblog.com. Oh, man. I appreciate all the love that's been given. Um, yeah, keeping me going. All right, let me play the song. Stay sick and sit the podcast. Everyone. 
damn, <laughs> I know <laughs> the phone dropped and messed up. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> let me get the song together. But yeah, black man, black women, man, we gotta love each other, man. This, this shit is, we gotta get to the point where we get, we get this together. We gotta respect each other. We gotta love each other. We gotta stop this fight. Otis Redding, Aretha Franklin, mix, respect. Sticking to the podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. Say, sticking to the podcast. I'm your host, Derek Silver. Talk to you next week.